0: Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand business show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Maureen Farmer. I think it's important first of all to understand your audience, your targeted audience, and then really understand the difference between external communications or external um, t- audiences and internal audiences. So you know we help our clients uncover key messages that align with their values that are authentic to them we never want to be inauthentic because inauthentic won't build trust and trust is what is absolutely required for business to happen
1: hi there and welcome back to the personal brand business show my name is Bob Gentle and every week i speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building marketing and monetizing your expertise intentionally growing a unique personal brand and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device in your hand, take a moment to subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode. And if you are a regular listener, then consider sharing the show with just one person. It's the very best way you can help the show grow and help me reach more people. So this week we are taking a very slight departure from speaking about the online entrepreneur, which I think covers an awful lot of the territory that many of my guests cover. I'm going to talk about the executive and the executive brand on the one hand, but also my guest is very much an online entrepreneur and a personal brand and entrepreneur in her own right. So Maureen Farmer, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Bob. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here.
1: So I have questions, many, many questions. But first of all, I think I'm running ahead of myself, Maureen. I'm running (laughs) ahead of myself. I I have so many questions, I'm going to dive in. Where I think would be a great start is if you could start just by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do, and then I'll get excited.
0: (laughs) Sure. Well, again, I'm very happy to be here. I'm physically located in Halifax, Canada. And although we serve clients globally since 2011. And what do I do? Well, Westgate is a boutique personal branding agency. We work with high profile leaders who are transitioning into board opportunities, we help CEOs who are transitioning into a new industry. We also help CEOs who are newly appointed to the role transition into the role in the first 90 to 180 days in in their mandate. We do a lot of work with private equity firms and their portfolio companies, which is an absolute passion for us helping newly appointed CEOs and their teams get to their mandate faster, but in a quality way. And we do that through the personal branding process where we help them become clear and aligned on their value proposition and help them deepen their relationships with the board of directors, with their investors, with their team, their employees, and the entire business ecosystem. So that's a little bit about me and where I'm located. What was the other question?
1: You've answered them all. Oh, awesome. (laughs) It's all good. I think one of the things that is really interesting to me is the idea of the leadership brand or the executive brand, because if you look at the direction the world is going, there's virtualization everywhere, artificial intelligence, remote working, there's greater and greater distance between organizational leaders and the people that they serve, be it investors or customers or team members. And so leaning into being much more present as a leader is more and more important. But these are not skills that anybody was ever taught in business school. They're not skills that great business people have typically cultivated on an intentional basis. I think it's often true that the people who are put into leadership roles were brought in because they were really, really good at what they do did, but that didn't require any level of visibility. So they have no experience of being visible. So I'm interested to know how you... A, motivate them to accept that this is a thing that they need to work on because it's difficult a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I guess, B, what kind of process you bring into that? Because CEOs, they are time poor. So how do you get them to lean into that?
0: Well, thank you for the question. And you're absolutely right. They are time poor. And a lot of these skills and capabilities don't come naturally to anyone, really. I think they're a learned skill. One of the statistics I would like to share with you and your listeners is that typically the research says that between 30 and 50% of CEOs will leave the role within 18 months, long before their mandate has been executed. So, our perspective and our vision is to help the board of directors protect their investment in the CEO by supporting the CEO through the first you know 90 to 180 days and beyond let's face it we have longer relationships but that's the initial goal is to help the CEO establish critical relationships with the board of directors with investors and with employees because that is the most critical period of time when a new appointed CEO there's a lot going on during that period of time. They're time poor. They don't have a peer in the organization. And so they often need someone to lean on in order to help with decision support. So if we can help a CEO stay in that seat longer, long enough to make an appropriate exit from the organization, whether it's an IPO or whether it's a strategic sale or some other departure you know, um, for, for that portfolio company. Or really any organization, who wins? Everyone wins, including the CEO and their family. So part of our private practice here at Westgate is also supporting private executive clients as they transition. So we work on with both private clients as well as corporations. So for the individual executive client, we help them fortify their personal brand. And I'll tell you how we do that in a moment, but also helping them. We're very, very family focused here. That's one of our core values here at Westgate is, is family, family, safety, quality, trust. Those are our core values and so we help that ceo understand what their core values are so that they can lead and pursue opportunities that that align with their values it's very very important we believe and that's been our practice so when we begin working with a client we start with taking a full inventory of their capabilities and of their strengths, and so forth. That's part of the personal branding process where we uncover a brand, you don't build a brand, I don't believe you uncover a brand. And that's finding and helping that person find their personal perspective, and their personal point of view, helping them find their point of view and articulate their point of view, and helping them um, really understand their value proposition so what is it that they are going to do to make money save money solve a problem for the organization in alignment with the with the organization's goals and values and so we have a number of assessments do you want me to go into the assessments or did you just want to leave it at the high level
1: i am i'm curious to know what the data points are that matter to you so to an extent the assessments are are useful
0: sure so we do one that is unique to westgate which is called the network seven And so what we do with our clients is we interview seven people in their network, we do a very comprehensive interview with them. And the reason we do that, in addition to the 360 we do, which is a pretty self explanatory tool, but the network seven complements that. And the network seven will really uncover some of the unique qualities that we will never find in a psychometric assessment we just won't. So I'll give you an example. We had worked with one individual who was reluctant to tell us one of her core competencies. And she was reluctant to tell us because she felt she was going to be pigeonholed because of it. Mm. So she felt it was going to hold her back when in fact, this was her magic formula. This was her superpower. And I never, we never would have known what the superpower was unless we had interviewed people in her network. And it was a consistent theme that came across all seven interviews so we'll call her belinda so belinda had a very unique way of working with people in an offshore environment virtually she could make things happen which meant that she could get her get the organization's products to market faster but she felt as though it was too maternalistic to be using that as a competency on her you know competency matrix so what we did was we helped her understand that that secret sauce was a, a value proposition that and a, and a proprietary process that no one needed to know about. They just needed to know that she could do it. Mm. So this was pivotal for her because otherwise she would have been trying to compensate for this skill that she had. And so we were able to help her articulate that that secret sauce in a way that would resonate with senior leaders, with the CEO, and so on and so forth. So we were able to honor this skill while taking away this belief that she had that this particular skill she had (laughs) was going to stop her from moving forward in her career. So that particular, I'm quite proud of the network seven. I mean, anyone can do interviews. I certainly understand that. But the way we've been able to render some of the common themes has been quite unique and of tremendous value to our clients. So other other assessments that we use are things like the DISC leadership assessment. Absolutely love the tool; it's easy to understand. You just said something a little bit, then before we started the recording, about simplicity. What did you say? Simplicity scales. Sim- and-
1: simplicity scales and complexity fails.
0: Right. That's. What I can't I love claim it.
1: credit for that, listener. That's awesome. It.
0: I'll remember that absolutely it resonates with me. And so, you know, some of these, these tools are, you know, very, very powerful, but very, very easy to understand. And so we're able to use those, those tools, not just with the private individual client, but also in the corporate context, when we're being brought in to work with a CEO and their team, everyone gets profiled, they get to understand, you know, their own unique value propositions and how they can communicate best with their colleagues. And so so those, that's a bit of the process. and then there's more, you know things like we do strategic writing and we do strategic communications with the board. Uh, in terms of the visibility piece, and you mentioned this a couple of minutes ago, oftentimes high performing leaders will have perfect leadership acumen. They can they're, they're excellent leaders. Uh, they wouldn't be where they are, you know, without those leadership skills and technical acumen. So impeccable technical acumen, what they often don't have is the visibility. Yeah.
1: This was going to be my next question is, these are not natural Instagram stars, YouTubers, podcasters. A personal brand needs a vehicle in order for it to reach the people that it's intended for. So what are the various vehicles that people can attach their brand to?
0: That's a great question. I would say very easily, much more easily than you might think. I think it's important, first of all, to understand your audience, your targeted audience, and then really understand the difference between external communications or external um, t- audiences and internal audiences. So, you know, we help our clients uncover key messages that align with their values that are authentic to them. We never want to be inauthentic because inauthentic won't build trust. And trust is what is absolutely required for business to happen. So from an internal point of view, it will be things like town halls. And this this can apply to any person in, in any side inside any organization is being seen, and being heard. And we can do this through things like newsletters, town halls, there's lots of of internal activities that happen uh, regularly, such as fundraisers, competitions, being seen and being heard that way. Um, Externally, we look at things like executive roundtables, we look at speaking opportunities, media opportunities, writing opportunities, uh, really, you know, networking and interacting with the customer. So we encourage our clients to not just speak to peer groups or industry where say, for example, if you're a, you know, corporate governance, you're going to go to a legal conference and talk to present to other corporate counsel, we recommend getting into industry and talking to customers and talking to uh, stakeholders such as decision makers, investors, and By doing so, not only do you amplify your own personal brand, but you become a brand ambassador for your organization. And I've worked with a number of really interesting people who have never been without an offer of one form or another through speaking at industry conferences. So this one woman I worked with, she was a technology leader. And I won't say the brands here because I don't want to be braggadocious, but well-known brands that, you know, that we all know. And she would speak at conferences on a, an area of uh, her expertise, and she would consistently get job offers. And that's how she managed her career until she was like mid-40s. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't working for her anymore. Exclusively, she had to, to add other tools to her toolkit to do that. But that's how she she grew her 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 career without even realizing that she was doing it. So, Another great way to build visibility is to understand signature stories, your own signature stories. So, what proprietary process or practice have you developed that you've used time and again to get an organization or a team from one place to the next, from here to there? So, you know, we help our clients systematize that and productize that in a way so that mm-hmm. they have a an off the shelf presentation that they can give at a dinner meeting at a board meeting at an industry roundtable at an employee gathering and if you and i recommend between 3 and 5 signature stories that are like that that you can that you can customize to the audience and to the situation so those are a few of the thoughts i have podcasting is an excellent way to raise visibility and to share knowledge uh, you and I talked about that uh, during the pre-call as well. And industry, industry organizations are insatiable when it comes to content. So if you are in an organization and you have a message to share, trade associations are will interview CEOs and other leaders on area. And you don't have to do, all you have to do is to do the interview. They do all the curation and the editing. And you can become known in your industry as the go-to person for a particular topic. You know, I
1: think and- what's, what's what's really interesting, and I've found this repeatedly, is a lot of people feel that they don't have an awful lot of opportunity, but a lot of the time the reason for that is because they're not prepared for the opportunities that are right. actually around them all the time. And what mm-hmm. you find through things like having signature stories and talking points that. When the opportunities come around for speaking at conferences or being a podcast guest, if you've been prepared for it, your unconscious is going to serve these opportunities to you more often. They'll become visible where they were invisible before.
0: You, you often have to make it happen if you're intentional. I have I have a question I'm going to share with you that your listeners can take and use and leverage. It will open doors. Shall I give it to you?
1: Absolutely. I've okay. got my pen ready.
0: Okay, get your pen ready. It's a very simple question. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. And then I'll give you an example of how I use this just recently. So you've just learned about a unique opportunity inside your organization, outside your organization, in your volunteer role, whatever it might be, you really want to get involved. Don't wait to be asked, you can ask this very simple question, how can I become involved? Mm. how can i become involved in this project in this initiative i'm passionate about this topic how can i get involved so you're not waiting to be invited you're not being uh pushy uh it's a very very um oops sorry it's a very very it's a very very um soft approach
1: it's what the kids might call low-key
0: very low-key yeah so I had just finished um I had been into Toronto in January and I had the great pleasure of being at the Toronto Stock Exchange for a women in leadership a women in leadership panel and it was fascinating and there was a, a young woman there who was the who is the founder of a private equity fund based in technology. So it's it's quite a fascinating story so that this woman her first name is lisa she blew me away with her her personal brand with her storytelling with her even her appearance everything and she was just very well organized and and her communication was very authentic and very confident and i think if i were to say anything personal branding will bring confidence clarity and confidence i would say are the two outcomes of personal branding from my own experience so I had seen Lisa, and I actually approached her. I have my own podcast, and I asked her if she would be interested in being on the podcast. And she said, "Absolutely, contact me, my my office, and we'll set it up." In the meantime, I ran into a woman in New York City who was doing a panel for women in private equity, and she was telling me they were looking for a panelist. And I said, "Well, I know someone." I said her name is Lisa, and I gave her last name. And she said, "Well." Would she be interested in serving on the panel? And I said, well, I don't know, but I'm happy to connect you. So now Lisa is on the panel. And I thought, wait, now I want to get involved here. I don't want to lose out. And I had secretly hoped that they were going to ask me to join the panel. They didn't. So I said, look, this sounds really interesting. How can I get involved? And I'm a very, fairly shy person myself. So, you know, but it's an easy ask. And the woman said, well, why don't you come to the event? So I'm heading there in two weeks time. If I had not asked that question, I would not be at this this Mm. wonderful round table where I'm going to get to raise my visibility.
1: I think that's a really actually powerful question. It's so simple and I've seen it done, but actually just seeing the question as the question it's, it's so low-key, it's so not pushy, it's so not desperate either. But at the same time, it's assertive and it does demand an answer.
0: Absolutely. You could even use that as a call to action in a job interview. You could use that as a call to action in almost you know any scenario. And I think organizations from a, from a job search perspective and a job interview perspective, organizational leaders want to work with people who are excited about working with them.
1: Do you know what I also love about that question? is it doesn't demand any kind of seniority or precedent or prim- primacy. It's somebody who's generously saying, let me support. Mm-hmm. It's not put me to the front. How can I get involved? Demonstrates an openness to do the dishes if asked.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm working with this wonderful client in Australia. And if he's listening to this podcast, he knows who he is. An amazing person. And He is a board governance expert, and he's been supporting. He's also a lawyer. He's a number of other things. He's like a Swiss Army knife. He's got all of these different capabilities. And in this particular situation, he has been advising this, this board of directors and the CEO on the board, and he really wants to be on that board. He wants to be on that board of directors. He's so passionate about the topic And so he and I have had this conversation. He finally popped the question, Bob. (laughs) He popped the question last week, and he was excited to let me know. And he said to the CEO, look, you know, I'm really excited about where you're going. How can I get more involved? Because at this point, he was involved. How can I get more involved? Mm. And the CEO said, well, would you consider coming on the board? (laughs) And of course my client was, you know, doing the happy dance because that's exactly what he was hoping for.
1: So one of the things that I see a lot of the time in companies, I mentioned this before, different people approach personal branding for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And in a leadership role, it's easy to assume that the personal brand is really for an external audience when actually it's for an internal audience a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people don't anticipate is the law of unforeseen consequences. Okay. That, I'm
0: curious about that.
1: <laughs> well, I think a CEO is focused on the role in front of them, but not necessarily what's happening around them in the rest of the world that they're not necessarily connected to. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that you were very clear on is CEOs tend to come into a role to achieve a thing mm-hmm. and then they move on to something else. And I often find that people rally around organizations with visible leadership. They're looking Mm -hmm. for people to get behind, stories to get behind. If you look at any really successful tech company, for example, Mm
0: -hmm. there's always
1: going to be a seemingly charismatic leader behind it. Mm -hmm. Alongside that, I see lots of companies where it's quite opaque as to who's behind these organizations. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I get, not upset is the wrong word about, but I see amazing people where their light is kept under a bushel. They never are pushed to the front and they never push themselves to the front when mm-hmm. actually they deserve to be in the limelight. They should mm-hmm. be running amazing organizations. Right. And often it's the introverts, the less confident people. Mm-hmm. They are often put into really strong leadership roles, mm-hmm. but they're not charismatic. They're mm-hmm. they're just awesome. Mm-hmm. So what I guess tips tricks, motivation might you offer and for anybody who is in that situation where they've done okay to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. But if they don't do something, once their current role ends, nobody knows about them. What how are they going to try and control what comes next?
0: Right. That's a really great question. And you said something a moment ago that got me thinking about this particular person I'm thinking of right now. So when it comes to personal branding from my point of view and my experience, the most important aspect um, of leadership and personal branding is really authenticity. So my friend and and mentor, his name is Gary Ridge. He's the former CEO and chairman of the board for the WD40 company. He's Mm -hmm. now retired. He has built an amazing personal brand. And I'll never forget this. He said, I had the privilege of having him on the podcast, my own podcast one time. And he said, you know, people don't leave their nerve endings at the door when they walk through the, the office every day, right? And he talked about feeling safe, psychologically safe inside an organization. And I love that because I feel the same. And I think the more congruent we can be with our values and who we are, the more, Impactful we will be as a leader and as a human being. So many times, and some of our tools will help uncover this, is what we don't want to promote ever is adapted behavior. So oftentimes you'll see, and of course we've all seen it with our children, we we are likely adapting our behavior to a certain point as well in certain situations. But when leaders can be congruent with their values and just be who they are, and let them just be, it doesn't matter whether they're introverted or extroverted or, or whatever it might, whatever it might be. It is really about, you know, showing up and being a human being and being authentic. And I've said that word a million times, but it's important. Also self-awareness so a lot of the people that you're referring to it have a tremendous sense of self-awareness. You talked about the charismatic person and many, many people who have that executive presence are really understand their position as a leader is one of privilege and is a one of serving. That's the, the great ones that do that. And Gary reminds me, uh, comes to mind as someone who does that. And i I saw him, and he's an exemplar of what I'm talking about here because he just fits the mold perfectly. I was in San Diego a couple of years ago during March, and I got the chance to have coffee with Gary. And it was during a it was during a service award weekend as well as a sales conference for all their internal salespeople. And I watched people walking by him and how they revered him. Mm. I don't think you could get anyone more down to earth than Gary Ridge. And I say that because I think a lot of people think that in order to be a leader, in order to be, you know, in charge, be the CEO, whatever, um, that you have to be something else, that you're not, you can't, you have to put on a face. And one of my really good friends and colleagues in personal branding, her name is Valerie Sokolowski, I think that's how you say her name, she says, what I want to do, Maureen, when I go into a corporation, I want to wipe, I want to wipe the mask off the CEO's face. I want to help that CEO or leader, whatever the leader might be, whatever the person is, I, whoever they're working with, I want to wipe that mask off their face and help them be who they are in their own roles. They don't need to be anyone else that can be themselves and still be very, very successful. And if you are familiar with Susan Cain, she wrote the book called Quiet. Are you familiar with her? I'm
1: not. Again, that's another note.
0: Yeah, Susan Cain, and I i don't know her, but I'm a huge admirer of her. She was a classically trained lawyer and extremely introverted. And that's why she wrote a book called Quiet. And she talks a lot about her dad in the book. And I'm pretty introverted introverted myself and quite quiet myself. And I just absolutely love the book and despite her introversion she was one of the most powerful negotiators in the legal profession in her industry over time she was very very successful and and i think that there's a misconception that because you're extroverted that you're going to be a natural leader i don't i don't know if that correlates necessarily i think that the leaders all things being equal that they have the technical acumen they have the leadership skill and they have the backing of their board i think that that's what's most important in in my way of thinking anyway did i answer your question
1: <laughs> well enough <laughs> what you answered was awesome whether it was addressing the question <laughs> or it doesn't really matter i think one of the things that i've come to realize is that you can get very insecure extroverts and you can get very secure introverts mm-hmm. um i think we're 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 brought up to assume outgoing and noisy means internally secure and quiet naturally means insecure and i was speaking to somebody today actually and he described himself as securely insecure <laughs> i thought that's I that- awesome
0: I think that's the human condition, though, Bob. I think yeah. we all have that tendency. And one of the biggest—and you may be surprised by this or not—I don't know—but one of the biggest trends I see in the business, and I talk to a lot of people at very senior levels, and is imposter syndrome. Mm. It's 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 everywhere. It's just it's just a ubiquitous. It's a big word, isn't it? It's just it's just everywhere. It's it's yeah. it's a common. Condition of people who are high-performing and it will wane depending on your energy level. It will, you know, it sort of correlates with all of those different things. So I think that the, what did you say? Insecurely secure? No.
1: Securely incident. insecure.
0: Insecure. I think that that is a very common phenomenon. And I think we're all just human beings, you know. Yeah. And uh, regardless of, of of where we fall, you know, in the organization.
1: I think the CEO or the leader is, is going to be operating as a matter of course on the edge of the comfort zone and on the edge of their own competency a lot of the time.
0: That's a really good point.
1: Becoming comfortable with operating in in the danger zone, essentially.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, you see people that are really good at crisis management and crisis mitigation, like mitigating, you know, major events and are calm under pressure. I know somebody in my family is very much like that. If there's an emergency or or they they just they're so incredibly calm. And that brings a lot of comfort to employees and to other people. The CEO role is unique in that there is no peer, there's no contemporary inside the organization. And they also have two fairly significant constituents of individuals that they need to that they report to essentially, and that's the board of directors. Shareholders, investors, regulators, suppliers, externally, and then internally, it is in you know employees. Mm. Then we have potential issues with unions. There is a lot at stake for the CEO in that role. There's a lot of it's like a it's like being an orchestra conductor. And you know the the employees are the audience. They're watching everything, they're watching everything that's going on. And then the people in that ecosystem are the the um, the orchestra. You know we've got the board over here, we've got suppliers over here and so forth. And that CEO needs to be able to meet their accountabilities to to all of those different stakeholders. There's a lot at stake. And so when that CEO is supported appropriately, it helps to, you know, mitigate the risk of, you know, a flight risk or, you know, a situation where the CEO is not reported and not reported, a situation where the CEO is not supported. So that is, is essentially, you know, you know what we do here and have a huge passion for employee engagement I mean, I grew up in corporate with some wonderful, wonderful um, bosses until I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I left an organization very abruptly because of a situation that was untenable for me. And I refuse. Mm -hmm. And I do realize that not everybody has this privilege, but I refuse to work in an environment that does not align with my values. I just refuse. And so I walked out of an organization 12 years before I had expected to. And then I started this business. And because I couldn't find what I was looking for in the marketplace, I created my own business and became my own first client. (laughs) I was the first client in my business. So I'm very attuned to, you know, employee engagement and being at the top of Maslow's hierarchy to the degree that you can be. I mean, not, not everyone can be, but to the degree that you can, you know, I'm trying to get people up to the top of that, that hierarchy.
1: So if somebody's listening and they are in that, leadership space, or they they have clients that work in that leadership space as well, not clients, listeners rather, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give them for that first 90 day period? They're in that new role. Mm
0: -hmm. What should that,
1: what should that landscape look like?
0: That's a really good question. I think it's relationship building that is so critical. And I mean, relationships with everyone, with your assistant, with your PR team, with the production manager, with the chair of the board, with everyone, and just being curious about them personally. And I'm not suggesting that you need to know everything about them personally, but you need to, I believe, recognition and acknowledgement are two very powerful motivators. And when newly appointed leaders take the time to get to know their colleagues and their employees and their board, their customers... I think that's the best first step. And how do you do that? Well, let's just talk about how you could do that. You could take take an employee to lunch. You can, you know, go down to the production, the, the production line and have a conversation with people down there, be seen. And, and if you go back, we go back to that talking about personal branding and things like that, and visibility being seen is is important, yeah. I believe.
1: That makes perfect sense
0: right? I think it's building those relationships. And there's all kinds of other technical things that you need to be able to, do. you need to understand the financials, understand, you know, the competitive landscape. But a leader is going to know, I think a leader is going to know how to do those things. But I think it's really about communication, constantly communicating with your team and those people who you depend on to deliver, you know, services and to get things done. So we have a a 90-day plan that anyone can access if you're if you're in that first 90 days, and it doesn't have to be a CEO role either. You can anyone can use this 90-day plan to use as a roadmap to that first 90 days. And you know what the the great thing about it is that it's rinse and repeat. You can just keep using that operational plan. And that operational plan is doesn't require a subscription. It doesn't require software. It just requires some thinking and planning. And then of course executing.
1: I actually had a look at it earlier on and this is no, I mean, I do some research for these calls, which means I snoop around people's websites and it looks really good. Whether you're in a corporate role or you're looking for some inspiration for your uh, more entrepreneurial, um, solopreneurial, personal brand, um, there's some really good stuff in there. So I will be all over it.
0: Thank you very much, Bob. That's, that's lovely. I didn't know that you had done that. And I really appreciate that there was a lot of effort that went into creating that. And it's not fancy by any means. And it's but it's true. It's, uh, it's based on a case study. And we've worked very, so. there's the, the actual case study example. And then there's a template that you can download to, to create your own 90 day plan to share with your team. And I had the good fortune to travel to Philadelphia last year. My marketing manager and I went to Philadelphia and did a presentation to career thought leaders on the 90-day plan, which was really well received. So very, very practical. And I'm a practical person. So by all means, you know, have a look at it. And, and if it's something that can help you and your team, then use it.
1: Well, I have it in front of me right now and it looks awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Maureen, I have had lots of fun. I think I'm gonna have you back sometime, but for now you have been awesome. I think everybody listening has a lot to think about. I certainly do. So thank you so much for your time.
0: It's my pleasure, Bob. And I appreciate your time as well.
1: And I nearly forgot the the most important question. It's becoming a bit cheesy, this question, Maureen. I may, I may <laughs> need to switch this up, but for the moment, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago?
0: That's a really, really good question. And I said I had my answer before. I would say I would have done more networking
1: mm.
0: earlier and met more people and been, it's a very boring answer, but it's true. It's, it's, it's something I wish I had done more of earlier on in my business. And another thing for your listeners, if you are early career, don't miss out on the opportunity to build your network and keep in touch with people over time. That's my biggest regret. If I think back over my corporate career, there's people I would love to reach out to today, and I would have no idea how to do that. So keeping in touch with people and having a system for keeping in touch with people, I, I think there's no powerful, more powerful strategy for personal, interpersonal, and professional success, in my opinion.
1: I absolutely echo that. I think one of the questions I ask many podcast guests is opportunity could come to us through one of Three, four doors outbound sales ads content or relationships and the most successful people i know they always have all four of those doors open but the opportunities that typically completely change the game take you from one level of operation to another it's always relationships i don't think there's any life-changing opportunity will reach us in any other way other than through a relationship so
0: oh i agree 100 percent
1: Maureen, you've been awesome. Thank you very much, and I will see you next time.
0: Thank you so much, Bob. Have a great day.